Welcome to the NBA Roadshow, episode number 268. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me, but Oscar Willis from the Mac Live is. No surprise there. I promise he's not an official co-host of the show just yet, but we're just still in Jacksonville, Florida, and we're keeping our little our little quarantine group strong and uh, just, you know, kind of trying to keep the circle small. Yeah, I mean, at this point... You just can't get rid of me, I think. You know, we're just, we're just all stuck together getting through this crazy, crazy week. COVID-19 has brought us together, man, and uh, we're, we're not separating. So, no, it's been good. For uh, for those of you that are on uh, the Patreon over at patreon.com slash the Roadshow, you know that Oscar has also given himself uh, services of, of doing our and-a-half shows for both of the uh, post-fight cards that we've had so far. So, uh, appreciate him doing that. So, if you, if you heard a lot of Oscar Willis... <laughs> And you're tired of it. I apologize, but I'm not bringing a lot of people into my room right now because we're still trying to, you know, follow all the the the, the, the protocol. And for what it's worth, I apologize as well. I, I you know, I wouldn't want to listen to me this much either. So. <laughs> but no, you you bring a good thing to, to the to the show. I really do appreciate. it. So, um, all right, let's talk about Jacksonville. Number one, the, the the last time we sat down and just did the uh, the full show here, not the and a half version over on the Patreon. Uh, we were just kind of getting settled in here, right? And there was so much tension and concern and. Uh, just this weird feeling in the air, right? Of is is everything going okay? Uh, what's going to happen here? I, I'll admit, probably a little bit of fear that something would pop up last minute and maybe ruin the whole plan, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we were all really dialed into how the UFC was doing thing, what was going on, and now we've had two fights in the books, and now. I've sat in this hotel room looking at the same view for the for the full week. I have not left the property the entire week. Um, I've only gone out of my room to, to, to eat briefly downstairs, and then I come back here. And i got to say, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go home. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go home. Um, but the vibe is, is definitely different. I think everybody is now – just getting used to it, right? I mean, we, we, we say that term all the time in our in our regular lives now, right? The new normal, the new normal. And it sounds like such a political PC statement or whatever. Like, I kind of hate saying it, but it's the reality, right? I mean, there's new normal and everything. And I feel like everybody's kind of just getting the system down now. Here's We go get our temperature check. We change the wristband. We, we, we social distance. We stay apart. The mask is on anytime you're outside the room. Uh, you don't you don't gather in groups. Uh, you know, I mean, just all the stuff. Um, I don't know. It's you get used to it kind of fast. Yeah, it's a weird thing, right? That whole new normal thing. And I know you and I have spoken about it, sort of off air, just chatting. I was really against this concept of a new normal. I thought, like, no, 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 let's get this done and go back to. I was actually quite, I quite enjoyed life. Right. You know, so <laughs> I didn't really didn't really want to go to this new normal. But I have to say, when Jackery. Pop, uh, pop, didn't pop. When Jackery, when Jackery, <laughs> this is what this is what we call yeah, it. Yeah, when Jackery, uh, when he popped, when, when he popped for COVID, when he popped for COVID, <laughs> there was obviously, I think, an immediate like panic, and then you saw the slow realization that actually, in this world, people are gonna fail for COVID, and, and it's just, I think that's something that I sort of learned on this trip. Yeah, that I actually, it's a thing that's going to happen and, and that probably happen more regularly rather than less regularly right now. I mean, I'm going to knock on wood right now because, listen, we still got, you know, this Saturday card to get to, but we had nobody test positive from the card that was last night. Um, I'm almost surprised there weren't more positive tests. Maybe I just 
felt like that was going to be the reality. I'm kind of surprised there aren't more positives. Yeah, I mean, uh, three people out of 1,100 tests. I yeah. I'm not good at math, but that's it's not a lot, not which, a is, lot. which is good. I, I, I think, you know, we don't necessarily have to get too deep. I think, believe it or not, most of the drama around this event and stuff has happened from the outside looking in rather than actually being here on ground zero. Yeah. I, I think, actually, there's a routine established pretty quickly uh, in the hotel and I think look there are going to be lapses you know people are going to like forget their mask and just think oh it's not it's not a big deal or people are going to go out for walks could 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 you have like statistically made this even safer sure but I really think having been here I don't it's become like we said a new normal I feel comfortable with it I think you know and, and obviously I just want to spend a couple minutes talking about this and then we'll talk about fights because that, that is the thing that I'm happy to kind of shift past this. I mean this story is not going away it's going to be part of our lives for a long time I mean at the apex it's going to be a story at Fight Island it's going to be part of the story but I don't want to spend the whole show talking about that listen um, I, I get it man and, and listen we've been targets since we got here and I understand whatever I say is going to be an easy target because I'm not sitting here saying that the UFC is perfect I'll come right out and say I wish Dana White wasn't doing fist bumps with people. Now, again, it's really just more optics. Do I do I think it's a dangerous practice to be fist bumping? Not really. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I don't. I don't. But it's not what people are comfortable with right now. And I think it would just give the critics a little bit less ammunition. Do I wish they'd have stuck with their guns and not done the in-cage interviews? I kind of do. You know what I mean? And, again, I don't really feel that it's dangerous. Every one of us has been tested. Now, of course, the tests, you know, sometimes they take a little time. It may have turned out somebody was positive and, and wasn't showing yet. All that. So we get it. None of it's perfect. I don't think those practices in, in, in principle are just like, oh, my God, we are putting the world at risk right here. But to, to, if, you're, if you're adding one more level of safety, one more level of security, and that's what this whole thing has been about, right, minimizing contacts, minimizing potential contamination points, and those are really the. I mean, as far as the the only two that I would agree just might even be too strong of a word, but the only two things that I'm seeing that are very the clear, obvious, the obvious, things. obvious. There you go. It's just like, dude, you know, you could just you know you could just cut that out and you'd be yeah. fine. Like Dana, don't fist bump. I mean, you could really get rid of the the ceremony ways if you want. I'm kind of glad we have them because. The face-offs do traffic, and it's always kind of fun to, to see a little chirping or how the tension is or just to see them stand side by side um, so you can kind of see the comparison or whatever. So it's not that I necessarily want them to go away. I like that little bit of theater as well. But if you're trying to get rid of just obvious points of concern, it would be those two things. Yeah. But it's to me, it's clear at this point that Dana White and the USC have decided we're not worried about that. Yeah, I mean, I know it's an old story at this point, but I guess the last podcast we weren't able to talk about it. But the Jackery thing, I think, for me, since I've been here, it's like, as soon as he arrived and said, oh, I've potentially been in contact with someone, you could probably just say, right, well, sorry, buddy. Like, yeah. We'll test you, we'll check. But at that point, test him, get him in a room, and then see. But for me, that we'll talk back to the Dana White fist bumping stuff, like, Jack Ray wore a mask and gloves for a reason. They obviously knew there was a risk. So just why bother? Like I, I, I don't think Dane is gonna. His knuckles are gonna then trans. You know, I don't necessarily know that's how the virus works right. or whatever. But again, one extra level of safety. One extra level of safety that it takes really very zero effort. Especially with Jack Ray. Now I, I get it. People probably would have been alarmed like if just he didn't show up or whatever. And I guess you know, but you're right because you are right. Like, because some people are saying, look, as soon as he says, "I may have been in contact with somebody," you got to pull him off the card. Yeah. I don't know if that's true. Let's yeah, get the yeah, test. But if we don't have the test results back, because the idea was, and we were even told, right? They they gave us our swab test and they said, 
go sit in your room and self-isolate until you get the results of this back. So if that's the thing is, you know, self-isolate until you get the results back, then why even have him – like, he should be self-isolating. So, I don't know. I, I think that was a mistake. But, again, I think what's what's happening is a lot of people, it's really easy to paint it to be like, look at this, look at what they're doing. It's clear they're not doing anything, and yeah. that's just not accurate. It's really not. And it's one of those things that, you know, people listening to this, they're just not going to believe. It sounds like we're sitting here being like, oh, the UFC are doing a great right. job. Like, I just think at some point – you in the world you kind of have to make a decision where it's like well do we sit and chill until this goes away or do we basically try and live our live a life around of it? some kind and i'm not going to tell I, I can't say which one's right or wrong i just think the one i've become comfortable with now is is finding a way if there's a billion dollar corporation prepared to test me multiple times you know to to help me work like that's that's the way I'm going to go because I want to work yeah and I think it's we spoke about this and stuff as far as when this all started it was about flattening the curve which I was very much for and I, I still am for is like making sure the health systems don't get overrun but it also seems like the the common discourse has become instead of flatten the curve like you said it's like oh, we, no one can catch this now ever it's nobody can get it whatsoever and that's just not that's not realistic and I think uh, I think pessimistically I think over the next few months we're going to realize like actually you know a vaccine even a vaccine is what if it's a vaccine like the flu where it can mutate and stuff like that you know we just don't know so I think I'm not personally I don't believe I want to just sit and wait and hope it sort of goes away I agree but I'm not to say that anyone who does that is wrong listen I that's the, I guess that's the only thing I want to communicate out of this is like you said it's easy to be like oh we're sitting here cheerleading for the UFC and I understand people that want to take shots at me or at us they will they'll say that yeah. and that's fine I get it but I'm telling you right now just as John Morgan as a human being I'm telling you right now take take lead staff reporter for MMA junkie out of the out of the equation take that take that I'm telling you John Morgan as a person has walked around and has seen all the steps. And I'm telling you right now, the safety steps that have been taken here are far more than anything else I've seen in my daily routine in Las Vegas. And I think they're at least trying. Are there things they could get better at? Yes, there are. But I, I haven't felt unsafe here. Yeah, and I think I want to add as well, Just to, I think because it's... It all comes down to the fact that the country's so divided about anything. Like, this is a pandemic, oh. you know, it shouldn't be a, a left or right issue, and it just is. You know, and I want to make it clear, just because I think we should find ways of getting to work doesn't mean I think we should just open the fucking doors and be like, right, no. but do I, th I think masks should now be mandatory in public. I agree. I think that's the way to do it. I think if I go on an airplane and they're selling the middle seats, I think that airline should be given a hefty fine or something like I that. I agree. How can you fill an airplane right now? I think it's outrageous. So, I'm... I want to open very carefully, and it, also if you're a person who's like a, a, against wearing a mask, like just you know, you're a jackass. It's a very small. <laughs> it's a very small concession to make to not be a piece of shit. So I don't know. So I, I think people when they hear like, oh, we want things to open up, they assume we're just like, ah, oh, it's just the flu, and that's not what I feel like Absolutely at all. Not. I feel I feel like you just got to find ways with what could potentially be a new reality for a long time. I agree. We're going to have to deal with it moving forward. So, again, I don't want it to be a central theme of, of uh, this podcast or our MMA coverage whatsoever, but um, it is going to maintain. But let's talk about the, the MMA that we've seen, right, as a whole. Uh, as I said, over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow, we did have uh, full post-fight uh, shows over there and a half, and, uh, <laughs> and I had to go with – and three quarters, because there were two in between. I wasn't sure what to call them, but we had wrap-ups of both shows, so if you're interested in that, go check it out for just $3 a month. You can have access to all that content and some other stuff that's over there as well. But 
for this show, for the full show, we haven't done one. We we haven't done one since there was MMA. So we've seen two cards, and rather than really go back through the action, I really just kind of wanted to give thoughts on um, the MMA overall, kind of what we've seen, how it's changed, what it's done, because it has been interesting to see how fast people have adapted yeah. and how much has developed and how you know how things are different. Because it's it's we've had MMA. Without uh, without fans before, you know, I've been in the ultimate, the old Ultimate Fighter gym when there was literally nobody in there. Um, then they started allowing friends and family for a couple, and then of course in the Contender Series, again it's friends and family. So we've seen varying levels of of fan access. I've been in there when there's literally zero fans. Most people more recently have seen you know a little fans. So we're back to that no fan aspect of it. It's weird the quietness. We kind of knew what to expect, but what we never had in those other two scenarios was the broadcasters yes. cage side, right? And I think to me that has been from I guess a fighter perspective that has definitely been the biggest change is their access to the the commentary that's going on. And obviously everybody respects the knowledge of a Daniel Cormier for instance. You know, everybody respects the knowledge of of, you know, Joe Rogan for instance and and what they bring to the table. And so they're hearing that stuff and literally almost to a man or woman, the people we talked to said I heard it, and in many ways, yes. I, I made I made changes. Yeah, um, I think it's even interesting to note as well, with the crowd, even in the Ultimate Fighter, their teammates were still making a lot of noise, right? Mm-hmm. So, it, but so this is, it's almost a new level of quiet. It's eerily quiet, and that's why they can hear the commentators. And to me, that's so fascinating because we had Claude, uh, not Claude Jones, we had Carlos Esparza saying, "I heard DC saying I need to mix it up," so I mixed it up. We had Greg Hardy saying, oh, "I heard DC," I mean, maybe it's DC, but I heard DC <laughs> saying, "I need to check the leg," so I checked the leg. It's almost like getting an extra cornerman. It is, but it's quite interesting because that is t- technically an unbiased cornerman. It should be. Now that's going to be the interesting part, yes. right? So, because I'm really intrigued by what they do with that. You know, on last night's broadcast, uh, I heard John Anik say. Uh, I'm going to say this quietly, you know, because he was talking about game plan discussions that yeah. have been had. Because, you know, when the when the commentators talk to the fighters ahead of time, they say, listen, this is confidential, but for the broadcast, we'd like to know what is your plan so we can tell if you're executing, we can tell if you're struggling, what, you know, what are you bringing to the table? So he said, you know, I'm going to have to say this very quietly. So I thought that was intriguing. I could also, you know, see some fighters, uh, I don't want to say, I don't know that anybody would come out and complain, but I could see some people feeling like, unfair like I felt like all the advice that was being given out was only for how this yeah. person can adjust or how that person can do so I am interested in you know I asked Dana White at the post fight press conference last night you know now that you've seen the product because the first two UFC 249 was very much about like can we get over this hump can we just get the event done and then I felt like last night's uh, of course it's Thursday as we sit down and record some people might be listening to this on Friday but the Wednesday card I'll say um it was more just like, okay, now we're having a fight night. Now we know what to expect. Now we know it's okay. Here's what's going on. And I felt like that was a real chance to just evaluate the product. And so when I asked Dana about it, I was kind of curious if he had any notes or anything. And, and maybe some of the, you know, maybe they're just trying to get through this week. But I do wonder if maybe they'll consider moving the commentators. I don't think they'll want to do that because as somebody who does call fights, I can tell you there's a big difference yeah. between having your eyes on it um, and only being able to watch a monitor. And, and, not that I mean most commentators will use the monitor quite a bit because you want to see what the viewer is seeing at that time. And so if you're commentating on something that the viewer can't see because you know, it might be difficult, so they, they use the, the the monitor quite a bit. Um, but there is still just a different feel, a different yeah. of being in there. But I wonder if they'll do something with that broadcasting because right now, again, it's it's there's definitely an interaction with the fighters. Um, 
and and it seems like even the even the commentators are almost I don't I don't say self conscious about it, but like they're very aware and they might start being afraid to say something or yeah. or, or whatever. So I'm gonna be interested to see where, where that goes. Yeah, it's interesting as well because right, I feel if you take at the moment the present for me at least the presentation works well. I, I don't feel like the lack of fans is hugely noticeable. I mean, you can imagine what it would be like if fans were there, but it's not hugely like, wow, this right. is... But I wonder if that's because the commentators themselves provide an energy, and if you put them in front of a monitor rather than in the action, that energy leaves. You know, Good there's point. something about hearing their voices. So that's one thing I, I, I'm interested in. I also believe, in terms of the getting advice from the commentator... I feel like that's going to be a non-issue until suddenly it's a real issue. Right. Do you know what I mean? I feel like what you, he needs to throw an overhand right, and bam, and it's a KO. Then I think like, oh, it's going to be one of those things that it's we're not going to change it until something happens. But it, it's it's a fascinating new layer. And we were talking uh, last night on the Anna Half podcast <laughs> that uh, that the silence and the commentators themselves are talking about codes that the corners are using yes. and then you have fake codes and stuff like that. It's like almost a new tactical level that I think we're going to get. But as far as the commentary and its impact on the fighters, I, I think it's a non-issue until suddenly it'll be a really big issue. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's we, Like you said, it's only been two two fight cards, but already it's developed. And it's going to continue because, you know, Dana said it last night, and I, you know, I tend to be the same belief. I think it's going to be a long time before we have crowds. Yeah. Uh, again, I keep saying it over and over. I'll say it again. I think, you know, September or so when the NFL season kicks off, that's going to be the big test because obviously the NFL has so much money and so much influence and so much power. So what can they do in the government? I mean, you got the brand new stadium in Vegas that's opening. Yeah. You got a brand new stadium. You know, these are multi-billion dollar stadiums, a brand new stadium in L.A. as well. I mean, for those to open with no crowds, I mean, you, oh, you got to think the, the the revenue hit that that gives on those teams is, is insane. So, you know, I think they'll definitely push it for it. But I just I just don't know how you can get a crowd together until you do have a, a vaccine, maybe a limited crowd or something. But then I I don't know how you how you limit that. So it's and then it becomes cost versus what you're getting. But I mean, the, the crazy thing is these guys have bank payments to pay. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it, is, I, again, we don't want to dwell on how fucked the future will be, but like it's, <laughs> no, it's, th- there's a huge there's ramifications of this that we haven't even thought of yet. You know, hundred percent. So, it, so th- th- that's something definitely worth monitoring because again, uh, when we get back to the apex, hopefully May thirtieth is what the UFC is saying they want to do May thirtieth at the apex. Uh, you just got to get approval from the Nevada state government, or or you can't do it. Then you got to go somewhere else. Uh, so that's been a big difference. You touched on the codes. You know, I think the coaching staffs and that sort of thing are really going to have to, you know, codes, fake codes, all that. that that's going to be a big part of it. Um, referees and judges is another interesting part that, mm. I, that, that I've had about it. Um, there was actually, and it was funny because uh, from the Patreon, David Elmore actually had, had asked a question. I wanted to wait to answer the question where I talked about it where he said, you know, a uh, random thought with Corona situation and the need to limit individuals present, is this an opportunity to road test judges in a remote location um because this has been talked about before you know is, is getting the judges outside of there and I, I feel like there's pros and cons because i've always felt like judges do get um kind of like influenced by crowds not meaning yeah. to be influenced by crowds but they 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 do they do get affected by the crowds and, and that's that's gone now so you're no longer seeing that but the flip side of it is uh, now the, I think the corners can be a lot more influential. You know, you think that I think the Jackson uh, Jackson Wink is is the one that's really famous. For, oh, that was a great leg kick. That was an, you know that was amazing. Oh, you're landing clean there, Cub Swanson. You're landing clean. Um, and that I, I think that and again the judges now hearing the commentators yeah. so clearly and and I mean 
the commentators are saying what they're saying. So if somebody's saying, you know, so-and-so is clearly winning this fight right now, so-and-so is clearly in control, yeah. now that we've been in this environment and seen it happen, um, I, I do wonder. So you're taking away one thing because I think the crowd and, – uh, and, and the way I always explain it was, listen, you know, hometown decision and all that, eh, the judges don't care about that. This I promise you that's not happening. But – when you have a hometown guy and everything he throws, you know, a high kick is blocked, but it makes that loud slap on the glove. And, you know, he lands a jab and the crowd goes, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other, you know, the, the, the guy that's the, the away guy, so to speak, comes in and lands a nice three-punch combo and the crowd is Crickets. dead. Yeah, cricket. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell me that that doesn't factor a little bit into what the judge was seeing. So uh, it's interesting because it, it, very much like – what we're saying with the with the uh, with, with the commentators, you know, for judges to judge a fight being away, um, especially if uh, especially if something you know there's a technological error with a monitor or something like that, you got a problem. Um, but uh, now that I've seen it in in practice, I, I think it's I, I think that I don't want it to happen. I think I still want to see the judges right there. I still want the judges to have the different views. I still want them to all have. Yeah. But it is weird because now I think they have the ability to potentially be influenced. By things I never thought they'd be influenced before. It's it's a it's a six of one half dozen of the other, right? Because the crowd, I, I as you you nailed, like I, that's how they influence them, and they do get influenced, and it's nonsense to think they don't. Before this started, I thought I was interested to see if the commentators. I don't think the corners so much, but the commentators I could easily see influence the judges. And since we've done this two events, we've seen a bit of like a couple of quirky scorecards actually. Mm-hmm. You know, so so. It, for me, it comes actually back down to, I don't know if they're being influenced or if we're still just, the sport is still new enough and we don't have enough regular events for these guys to get good at their job, maybe. I, I agree and, with that. So I think it's whatever, whatever environment, like realistically, if we're talking about amazing judges, they can go in there and block everything out and focus on the fight they're watching. And that's the standard we want. So I don't know if it's put them on a monitor. I don't want to do that really because I think uh, ha- having now... Usually, I'm in the back interviewing mm-hmm. guy when they cut guys with the winners and stuff. Having been in the arena when it's silent, I can tell you the difference of hearing the thud of a punch and the thud of a kick tells you exactly how hard that landed. You are so right. That that is something that I've I've tried to say that people don't get. You know, from watching on TV, man, when you were cage side or here, you don't even have to be cage side. Yeah. I mean, you can just be in the building because it's just there's no sound going on. The the, the 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 sounds that you hear, you really get the weight of the shots yeah. when you're there. In, in, a, in a different way than you do in a crowded arena or on TV. I just it's something about seeing it in the, in the environment. So I want the I do want the judges by the case. I I think we keep coming up with what if we did this for them? What if we changed the ten point must system? What if we did it? It actually always comes down to the fact that they're just not good enough for the standard what we need. Just need to be educated. I once said that too. Don't change the system. Increase the education and make their skill better. If they're if oh, you're so right. Like when the ha- when people talk about the half point system, I don't want to go into the tangent right here, but that one always pisses me off. Like we need a half point system. They can't even pick the right <laughs> round winner. I, now you want to add in a half point? I hate the fact that open scoring. Well, open scoring does nothing because they're still scoring it the same bullshit way they've been scoring it. <laughs> yes. All you're going to know is no earlier that they're <laughs> fucking your career up. So I hate that. I concept. I think you just need to. I don't know if you can train them or if you just need to find out which ones are the terrible ones, get rid of them, and replace them. And I think I, the scoring system at its core is fine. It's just the the. Uh, the practicality of it sometimes fails. I agree. All right, one other question about the environment I want to ask you because 
we've had two fight cards, right? And uh, so far, now, now 249 obviously was loaded, ranked talent top to bottom, right? Uh, UFC on ESPN Plus 29 uh, on Wednesday night was not loaded, um, but still, uh, we knew that in a, going in it was going to be a very entertaining card, right? You just looked at the matchups on paper, you're like, this could be a lot of fun. I do feel after two fight cards, now I'm not saying every fight was a banger, but I don't feel like we had any like really, really crappy, boring fights. No. But here's what I wonder. Do I only feel that way? Because none of them featured a, 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 a crowd just absolutely booing. I mean, because there were – I mean, listen, you'd be hard-pressed to pick out a bunch. But there were a couple fights, you know, that, that, that maybe weren't the, the, the best fights of all time. Right. But they didn't stick out to me as, like, really slow or really bad. And I wonder if it's just because we didn't have arenas going boo. For me, what it is – and I. I I think so. When you think of like bad fights, right? Like, and one that, like, say Woodley Thompson uh, two, even though the fir- and now the first one's considered bad, but actually it was <laughs> it was actually a good fight. Um, but for me, I enjoy those fights, even Till Thompson as well. Not to dig on Stephen Thompson, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but to me, I enjoy those fights because there's a tension. There's a tension like anything can still happen. Now, would I go back and rewatch them? Obviously not. But while they're happening live, there's a tension. That is true. And I think when there's no crowd, that tension is amplified to a point where people who don't appreciate the tension sometimes, like I do, will now appreciate it because it's been heightened, you know? And I think so even a, uh, unless it's like a really dull fight, I think there's something about the silence that means every strike could be so just true. monumental. So for me, I think it's actually, it makes fights better. I agree. I yeah. mean, the, 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 the reaction at the end, I mean, listen, man, I think about like, and obviously, uh, you know, not to just, you know, pan out to your boss or whatever, but <laughs> man, when Connor comes into an arena you know, and there's especially when the Irish really were traveling, and it wasn't just you know Hollywood VIPs buying all the tickets. You <laughs> yes. know what I mean? But like, you know, the, the Irish flags are waving, and the people are chanting. And like, dude, that's like that's that to me the scene that it sets and the feel of the arena. Like, that's gonna be something that's missed. And I saw that Connor saying like now, while he was opposed to an empty arena, now maybe he's for it. Now, of course, he's always. He's smart. He keeps his, you know, hey, we'll see what's out there. Options, out. Yeah, options, keeps options. Keeps options on the yeah. table, man. He's a smart businessman. That will be sorely missed. I mean, him, you know, coming in and, and you know, the music is playing and, you know, those big moments, that's going to miss something. Uh, I mean, 249, I, I think, we, like, we were on the edge of our seats all night long because yeah. it was just the first night back and it was just, you know, so weird. I think we're going to get used to this environment and I think we're going to miss those big scenes. But so far, the fights themselves, I agree with you, man. Like, being able to hear the sound, the tension, the, the corners, the every, every – I mean, to me, the fights themselves, once the opening bell rings and the closing bell sounds, um, that would be like a stock market. The first bell <laughs> and the like, – uh, yeah, whatever, whatever they yeah, call yeah. them. Um, that hasn't lacked anything to me. That's almost, like you said, been heightened, been amplified because yeah. it's so – I used to always say um, back in the old days when I, when I used to go to the Ultimate Fighter, and the ones that were the most tense were the fight-in episodes where there weren't teams yet because, right. as you said, like once there's teams, they cheer and stuff. When there are no teams, nobody's cheering, and it was so tense. And it almost felt like you were watching something you weren't supposed to watch. Yes. Like, yeah, like yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? Like, is this legal? Like, what is going <laughs> on here? So, I mean, the tension is there, but – you know, when I start thinking about again, like the, the the Conor McGregor's of the world, not that there's many of them, but like that's that name in particular, that's gonna miss a little something. But not once the fight starts. I think you can you can point to moments in fights where you're like, 
if there was a crowd there that like if realistically when Gaethje got dropped at the end of the second I can imagine the pandemonium you right. know what I mean or I, so it's easy to imagine it and I do believe that it's uh during it happening live they're fascinating but going back and rewatching a fight for the second time without a crowd I, f- I do find lacking because the tension is no longer there we right. now know what happens happen. so that's interesting and then there are emotional moments when we're going to get onto this but like Walt Harris is fighting this Saturday and you can't tell me that if that man wins the crowd would not be just an outpour of emotion oh and, and so there's moments like that Cejudo retired in an empty arena you know that's that, there's there's moments that I don't miss them at the time, but afterwards I think oh, actually, you know, a crowd would have been would have been cool. You, you know, you talk about that moment around too, and you so, but it was such it was such at the bell too. Like, can you imagine that sound? Because everybody would have gone oh, and then the buzz. Imagine Ngannou killing Rose, oh or, been knocking gosh. him out like in twenty seconds. Like, yeah, bec- I, because I, I, I sorry to interrupt. No, not I, at all. When Masvidal knocked out Askren, when people ask me like, what's the most memorable thing you've covered so far in your career? It's not that long, but I say Masvidal Askren because they were still going insane five minutes later. Oh, yeah. It was just in the... It was it's the buzz. It was the loudest energy, thing. It was so loud. They were cheering through his thing. If he'd knocked him out in silence, you would have been robbed of like an absolutely epic moment. Yeah. You know, so there are moments I think the crowd will be missed, but on the whole, I don't necessarily think they're missed right now. Yeah, I've heard some people say, and I I don't know that I can give this enough evaluation yet, that they feel like the interviews are better right now, the in-cage yeah. interviews are better right now. Now, granted, I just got through saying I wish they weren't doing the in-cage interviews, but um, I, I'm not going to say I wish they weren't. I, I kind of wish they weren't just because it wouldn't give people so much to latch on to to talk trash about. But um, I have heard some people say that they think the in-cage interviews are better because the fighters are kind of more just like focused in the moment versus like trying to play to the crowd and Maybe something to that. I it don't seems, know. It seems. I mean, look, it's an early days sample size, but yeah. it seems that they're, so far I've not. There hasn't been crazy shit. You know? Chase Sherman knocked it out of the park, by the way, last night. <laughs> yes, <laughs> welcome back, and that was that. I tell you what, that was one of the greatest lines I've seen. How does it feel? He's like, you know, when you order ten wings and you get eleven, it's like it. that. And by the way, I saw. I'm so jealous. Uh, ESPN MMA posted that clip, and then Buffalo Wild Wings corporate account uh, retweeted it uh, as well, and obviously. I'm a slight B-dubs enthusiast, so I was a little, <laughs> so bit, we I was a little bit jealous of that. Uh, all right, listen, uh, don't want to spend a lot of time talking about USC on ESPN Plus 29, but uh, kind of an ongoing story, and since we're here on site, if you do want the uh, the full recap of that, please do go to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. We've got a full recap there. It was myself and Oscar Willis. He's been a, <laughs> he's been a, a, an honorary part of the MMA Junkie crew this week since we're here by ourselves. Um, but an- the Anthony Smith update, man, that, that seems to be you know a, a discussion, and it's not the first time we've had this discussion. I'm sure it won't be the last. Uh, but the the role of the corner in in stopping a fight in mixed martial arts, you know, you cover a bit of boxing as well. And of course, in boxing, it's far more acceptable for somebody to throw in the towel and to stop it. I mean, we saw it with Deontay Wilder. I mean, in, yeah. in a massive fight, as as you said, you know, just one of the biggest fights in in recent memory. Um, you know, it, it, it's something that. I think for for many reasons, and you know, people have written about it over the years. You know, uh, is it because the way the pay structure is? You know, you you automatically just cost your guy half a check. Um, is it because there's more ways to win? You know, in boxing, it's pretty clear. Like this is not going your way, mm. and it's not like you can turn to the takedown or let's yeah. you know let's die for a leg and see what we can get on a submission. You don't get that opportunity. Um, 
I don't know, or maybe it's just the way this thing was culturally born where, you know, I think boxing has been around so long, it has developed as a sport. I'm not saying we're not developing in a sport, but for the longest time it was really just who's the biggest badass, you know what I mean? It was like this kind of two men enter, one man leaves kind of scenario. Um, I don't I don't know. I, I've never been able to put a finger on exactly why, but even like, you know, during the main event, Ben Rothwell was in the back last night, and I don't remember if it was you or it was, yeah, host, yeah. was it you that asked him about it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and I mean, Ben Rothwell uh, gave you an answer that was like, you know, and I think your question was more or less, hey, at what point does the damage become enough that you say, yeah, my cornerman, I'm, I'm, I'm good with you throwing it in. And he was like, never. He was like, yeah. I signed up to go out, you know. And, and even we saw Anthony Smith today tweet, you know, hey, man, I got no problem with the referee. I got no problem in my corner. I signed up to go out on my shield. And I appreciate that. But what we always say is, right, they're too tough for their own yeah. good. Somebody's got to save from themselves. So, I don't know, interesting discussion. And we're going to, again, we got another card on Saturday. The, the world is going to move on quickly. This is not a new topic of debate. It won't be the last time we talk about it. But um, for the moment, while it's in the spotlight, I think it's always worth revisiting. Yeah, and you know, while you were talking there, we were talking about the comparison to boxing. I did wonder, like, this is the first time I've ever come across this thought, like, I've ever thought this up. But I wonder if boxing has had deaths, you know, and, yes. bo- and boxing has been around longer, so there's mo- many more people Boy. with serious brain damage and stuff. And I wonder if because our sport's are so young and we haven't seen those repercussions yet, because they're going to happen one day, I wonder if that's why people are so I, I don't subconsciously because I did think of the pay structure. As but simple as an observation as that is, I hadn't thought about that yeah, before. Me neither. Just and you're absolutely right. Like the first time somebody dies, and it's listen, I hate talking about this. I've been we start with COVID nineteen and now yeah, we're talking. Yeah, yeah. But I've I've always said this throughout my professional career, is like, listen, I know this sucks to say, but it will happen. Yeah, it's when it's, not it's, if it's, it's when not if and, and and that's why we have to be so careful and, and I think you might be onto something there. I think there's because because I do believe the pay structure is a bit fucked in MMA. Like, I don't like it, and I'm, but I don't believe when you're watching someone get beaten, you're thinking, oh, man, I could lose him thirty grand here. I just don't think that comes to your head in the adrenaline, really. I think you're probably right about that. Unless, Are you uh, really thinking about that at yeah, that moment? Unless you've been specifically told by your guy how much financial difficulties in prior, I don't think during that moment when you're watching someone physically get hurt. I know that when I'm watching it, I don't think, God, man, this guy better hold on because then he might somehow wrangle out another 20 grand or something. So I don't think that's an issue. I think it is a culture of toughness. I think probably because as well, we're still in the, you know, still new sport. We're not, 10 years ago, sparring was fighting. You That's know, right. Do you know what I mean? We weren't that long ago. Oh, dude. And now, now those guys... going to Vanderlei Silva's gym yeah. and they're like literally like throwing like knees and elbows yeah. and stuff. Like, what are you doing and, right and, now? And, and now those guys are the cornermen, you know? Yeah. So I think we got a, a couple of generations before it starts becoming... But I was looking at... Uh, at cor- like cor- When Trevor Whitman stopped Nate Marquardt's fight, right. he said, are you okay? And he's like, I don't have any more. He stopped it on the spot. Right. Completely praised for it by all comers, yes. all, all corners. And is now considered one of the best coaches in the game. I'm surprised more don't want to emulate that. That's true. Because, and I look, I respect Anthony. One, like, is fine with it and stuff like that. But you can't tell me when he gets jabbed in the eye and every time cowers and turns away from it that the guy is, what's he going to do? Now that he's more tired 
punching slower, punching with less power, he's somehow going to catch him right. on the way in. That's not going to happen. I agree. There's a point where it becomes just ridiculous and you're being silly and I respect the fact you love your guy, but the fact you love him means you should know better than him. Yeah, I agree. I, I really wish they wouldn't have sent him out for the fifth round. I, I, they could have been stopped in th- any time in the third and fourth and I'd been fine with it probably. I, I, I agree with that. Something to talk about, man. It's, it's a discussion to continue having to say the least. Glover share as far as him, you know, he's saying, listen, I, I want a title fight. I want to get there. He understands that another fight might be first. I'm kind of, I, I want to tie this in because it is so weird in the light heavyweight division right now because you got so many names that all have their hand in the air, right? Um, and we talked about it on the and a half episode, <laughs> and you actually kind of leaned towards Jan Blahovich to get the lead. Yeah. And I actually had a couple people on, on the Patreon kind of lean in and say they actually like that too for the reason you said. It's the fresh matchup. You know what I mean? It's the newest matchup. But, you know, you do have Mahetta coming back. You do have, uh, you know, now you have Glover to share in there that's, that, by the way, doesn't have a long time left. So he'd like to get in there, and he does have a nice run. Um, so there's a lot of names right there. And then today – John Jones <laughs> came out and started talking about Francis Naganu. And you know what? I started thinking about it. And I've never been one. Uh, no, I know for years people were saying John Jones has to go to heavyweight. He has to go to heavyweight. And I'm like, no, he doesn't. Like, I've always, look, to me, greatness should not be measured by the fact that you went to another weight class. Now, is that something that you can do? It's amazing. But it's not like boxing where you can move up four pounds. And, you know what I mean? Like, you have to make significant moves and significant changes. And, okay. We we praised your boss. Now let me say, uh, in the in the champ champ status uh, that 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 you know Conor McGregor made popular, I have yet to see a scenario. I mean, it looked like Henry Cejudo was going to be the guy, and then he quit. You know what I mean? He gave up one belt and retired. Like we have yet to see. Maybe I guess you could say Amanda Nunes is currently in the in the in the, in the process of trying to be that person. But we have yet to see anybody really go like I'm the champ champ and I'm defending these bad boys and I'm fighting four or five times a year to do both belts. I mean. So anyway, I've never been like he, the guy has to go up to heavyweight. But right now, him saying Naganu, where Naganu is in a weird situation because yes. he's trying to wait on the trilogy, and there's no other fights that really make sense. And we're saying John Jones, but we're saying you have all these contenders. But to me, when you look at Blahovich, Glover, Reyes, um, Aheta, none of them to me. I don't look at any of them and go. Clearly, that's the guy. Yeah. So they all had their case, and so it would be, and especially now that we're traveling, right? Because if, or now that we're not traveling, I say, because if, if like you know, we, hey, you know, we've got a show in Poland. Ah, yeah, 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 is the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so now if, if it's all Apex slash Fight Island, so now we're in this very unique situation, and man, putting John Jones versus Francis Ngannou, and then. Maybe two of those guys, you know, as a number one, like I feel like you're fixing two, two problems yeah, at, the, at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I that's what I thought about. I was like, well, if jo- listen, we all know John and his little heavyweight discussion has been going on for you know half a decade basically, right. and he's always like, yeah, I'm going to do it, and then the next week he's not going to do it. So I'm always every time he sort of courts this. I take it with a grain of salt. But I have to say, today's the first time he specified an opponent. He specified, like, yep, now, I'll do it now. Right. It's the first time. So I'm sort of like, okay, maybe. The only grain of salt, once again, that I'll throw on the table, he says, I'd love that big money fight. Yes, You did. know what I mean? So that's the <laughs> only part. He didn't say, I'd love that fight. Yes, he, he didn't did. say, I, he just said, I'd love that big money fight. So here's, here's this. And I think people have become a lot more privy to this lately because I think fighters are talking about it now. There is a way to say I took the fight or I accepted yes. the fight. Yeah, I accepted the fight if they paid me fifty million. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like, 
you know, now you basically turn down a fight without actually turning down a fight. But I tell, let me let me let me paint you a picture, John. Because we thought this Break was out a, the brush. We thought this was over. So Francis and John fighting late July. Right. John Jones wins at heavyweight. Daniel Cormier beats Stipe Miocic oh. for the heavyweight title in August. You can keep Daniel around for that one last one at heavyweight for the world heavyweight title. You telling me the the pocketbooks? I mean, they would be emptied for that one. He thought he'd won one trilogy. He gets to finish the next one. I mean, oh man, can you imagine? Jones comes in and beats the scariest the, dude, yeah, just, just the him. absolute worst, scariest dude. DC gets it back. And then they bring back the bad blood. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, book it, book it, get it. <laughs> Pay done. them what they need. I tell you what, I, I, I have never been a John Jones, and I'm still not a John Jones. Has to go to heavyweight. John Jones is phenomenal, and you don't need to go to another weight class to prove your greatest. But I do feel like the time is right right now. I'm, I'm one of those people that I, I GSP didn't know need to fight Bisping to be the best in the world for me. His run at welterweight right. was absolutely impressive. But I think John has somewhat brought it on himself in that he didn't bring this on himself, but in that his physical uh, dimensions has clearly helped him in a lot of fights. Right. And because of that, people are you know it's a bit like when Connor was at featherweight. People were like, oh, "Is he too big for the weight class? Is that what it is?" But also, I think John sort of brought it on himself. He did. He hasn't exactly not courted it, has he? You know, he's always been very open to the idea. So I think it's he's accidentally sort of made it a thing like he needs to go up because he's been talking about it. And, dude, I'm telling you, what, as I sit here and think about it more and more, I mean, okay, it would be a non-title fight, obviously. I mean, I guess you could, if you wanted to, you could make it for the interim title, right? You could do Jones and Ghana for an interim heavyweight title. That would, would be even more interesting. You know what I mean? Like, that would be kind of, I don't think but it's But then what do you do at 205, you know? But, but. Well, I know. So I think you could do it. But I guess what I'm getting at is, even if it was a non-title fight, like, I'm trying to think from a pay-per-view buyer's perspective. Oh, you, that's the main event. That's the, right? That's the that, main event. Yeah, yeah, you don't, and, yeah. And, correct me if, if, maybe I'm crazy here, but that would be a big, in terms of money, and John's thinking about money, that would be a bigger fight than any of the four fights available at light heavyweight, right? Possibly double. Yes. Possibly double. And I think, okay, it might not be Diaz, Masvidal, just because of their mainstream appeal. Right. It's not that far off. I'm telling you. It's not that far off. And in, in a world where you have every highlight of Nganu breaking oh. someone's face, and then you've got John, who people is a star now. John is like, he's not the star, but he's a star. Very easy fight to Such sell. an easy sell, dude. Like John Jones, possibly the greatest of all time, but he's going up against the scariest guy of all time, and you're just playing the Francis knockouts and, and I think it, beating on his chest. I think, and I think if you're if you're John at this point, it's a bit like Floyd in later years. It's almost like, what's the criticism now? I mean, Floyd never did this, but he, <laughs> he, he acknowledged it and then refused to do it. But John's, it's a bit like, what's the criticism now? I'll go deal with it almost, you yep. know. Do I have a chin? Reyes showed that I can avoid it and stuff like that. I mean, fighting Francis and Garnet willingly at this point is it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty ballsy it move. Did lead to another fight with Cormier. On can top you imagine? Of that. Oh, can you? Oh my God! Can you imagine the, the the financial year both those guys would have? Man, that would be. I I would love it because DC's made it clear that the Stipe thing's the last one. But if John showed up, you know, you know he couldn't 
Like, bro, I came and I chased you up in your bracket. Yeah. Now what's up? Oh, oh my God, it's great. All right, uh, one quick one too. Uh, I just want to mention Ben Rothwell picking up a victory in, in the in the co-main over Vince St. Preux. Not the most aesthetically pleasing fight of all time. I think that the weight was a problem uh, for Vince St. Preux. Not so much. I mean. Partly just dealing with Ben, but I think partly just carrying his own weight, man. It just yeah. he wasn't used to it. So, um, but I tell you what's funny is I saw him today. He was leaving. He was flying home. I was, I was going getting uh, a little breakfast this morning, and uh, saw him briefly. And he's like, "Hey, just good. To, just want to say hello to you." He's like, "I'm heading home. Good to see you. Always a pleasure." I'm like, "Ah, oh, it's awesome." I'm like, "I guess next time I see you, you'll probably be fighting at the Apex, you know?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "That'll be my first time fighting in Vegas." I was like, "What? What?" <laughs> So he's, like, he's like, yeah. He's like, I've had 50 fights. I've never fought in Vegas. And I was like, and now I won't even be like in front of a yeah, big crowd. You the Apex. He's, like, he's like, I don't care. He's like, it's cool. It'll be my first time fighting in Vegas. I'm like, I, I had to go back and check him. I was like, he has to be wrong. I mean, how That's stupid hilarious. is that? Like, the guy knows where he's fought. But I'm like, he has to be wrong. Sure enough, he's never fought in Vegas. Okay. What a weird one. All right, listen, uh, we've given a lot of love to the uh, Patreon.com. So if you're if you're not somebody a support over there, please do. Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow for as little as $3 a month. You can jump in. Help get uh, help support the show and uh, get access to uh, all the bonus content that we're doing over there. Shout out to uh, a lot of new supporters. May's been a good good start to May so far. I guess actually having fights to talk about. <laughs> what do you know? Gets people to want to listen. Kate Harris, first and foremost, definitely deserves a big shout out. Jackson, William Lowe's, Benjamin, my boy Kevin from Houston. Good to see you. Miguel Valdez. Michael Jung and John Given. It is uh, appreciate all you jumping on board. It really means a lot. All right, listen, we have got another fight card to get to this week. Three in eight days after not having it for two months, we are spoiled with riches. But I'm excited. This main event, Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris, and oh man, there's just so many ways to look at this fight. But uh, just want to start out with, with with Walt Harris. I mean. You you can't not talk about what he's gone through. I mean, just the the, the tragic, brutal murder of his stepdaughter, um, and and what he's had to go through in that story, and where he is now at this point. Um, I mean, the biggest fight of his career, and everything that's around it. Um, it's I I just as a human being. I don't. I mean, I know. Obviously, we're not supposed to be cheering for anybody. I know Alistair's a, a true legend of combat sports, man. I mean, what he's accomplished. Uh, but I just don't understand how, as a human being, you can't be cheering for for Walt Harris and wanting him to have this moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I said to you when I came came over, I, I bumped into Walt in the in the elevator, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, it's not only like you're in fight mode, you know, but now every time someone looks at you and even talks to you. They're bringing up possibly, probably the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you, and you know when people are looking at you, thinking, "Oh, they're thinking about that," and it, so you can't get your mind away from that yep. to focus. Um, and we've seen people do incredible things when emotions are on their side. You know, we've seen people fight through adversity with that. I have to say that Walt Harris himself has been absolutely incredible, mm-hmm. incredible, incredibly open, incredibly powerful. Um, Again, you know, it's not even a biased thing. I think it's just a, it's like a humane thing, you know. Like, come on, you, you, the guy lived through that absolute ordeal, and now we're in a world where the coronavirus is shutting down businesses and and killing people and stuff. You got to, you kind of, sometimes you got to root for a guy to get a win, you know. Yeah. No matter how, and I think even Alistair knows <sighs> that he's got to play the bag. Alistair's almost, I mean, and Alistair's handled like a pro too. But I mean, he's almost in a. 
a no-win situation here. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't. It's a, it, it is a tough spot for Alistair too. I mean, Alistair's a pro, and I think he's able to detach himself from you know that. I mean, he's kind of reached out and had some personal comments about Walt. But once once the the, the cage door closes, it's a different thing. And you know, it's funny, man. We we talk about um, you know emotions and motivations and and all these things. And sometimes some of the intangibles don't matter that much when it comes down to X's nose. But this one, man, I don't know because you can't tell me that Walt Harris does not have some rage inside of him that yeah. he wants to let out. I mean, he has to. Anybody that's a parent, I mean, anybody anybody that's a human would have some rage inside of him. And and there would seem to be no better place to let that rage out than inside of a, a cage in a mixed martial arts contest. But at the same time, we know that you, you can't be emotional and you have to be thinking clearly and you have to have focus and uh, – you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I would never say, oh, he can tap into that for motivation. That would be a, a, a jackass thing to say. But I'm just saying, like, there has to be – I don't know how people deal with this. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and there has to be some – you know, when, when people scream into a pillow or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be something a sound that he wants to let go. And on the one hand, this would seem to be, like, the place to get some of that out of your system. But – but I don't know that it is. Yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's so many, so many things you can look at. It's like, wait, so you know, we, it's always been said that being angry in the cage does not help you. Right. Secondly, this is a game of skill, and Alistair Overeem is one of the best ever yep. to do it. You know, UFC title or not, he is literally one of the best in the world to do it. His last performance against Rosemont was great until the last second, one essentially. Slight mistake. So, you know. Walt's just got, and then the, the, the not only the pressure of our, your daughter's legacy, but now the pressure of everyone wants you to win. So now you've got all that pressure and stuff like that. It is just a tumble drive emotion that I, I don't think anyone could really experience. It's a unique experience for a human being to feel. Uh, I also I think it's interesting with Alistair is that I, I almost I would believe that being the sort of guy he is and a competitor that he is, Walt Harris actually wants someone to try and beat him. Right. I don't think Walt Harris wants to win because someone felt sorry for him. Somebody went and laid down for him, yeah, basically. I, I, I don't think he wants sympathy. I think he wants support. And I think he definitely appreciates support. And I, he has, thank, thankfully, almost unified support. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one to talk about because it's just, you know, it's the it, it, MMA is... I think we spoke, you know, when we, to media talk about stuff like that, MMA is it's a bit of a, a circus, really. You know, it's not a it's not a real. It doesn't feel real world sometimes. You know, it's a circus, and then every so often, like the coronavirus or like this, the real world comes, and you have to sort of look at it and go, "Oh, this isn't about someone punching someone anymore. This is about something bigger." Something way bigger than that. All right, listen. Uh, Walt Harris did uh, participate in the virtual media day. Uh, I guess one other change that when we're all talking about all these changes <laughs> is. Uh, these virtual media days, I will admit, uh, it's going to be a struggle for us to have these little notes and feel. I mean, I I just used to man getting these face to face conversations, judging people's body languages, seeing how they you know the look in their eye. I mean, you get used to people over years when you cover people for years and years and years. Um, you get used to them and you can tell. Oh, he's having a good week this week. He's having a bad week. He's doubting himself. He's doing. He's doing. You see all these things. That's a struggle. So that's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out in the in in the the era of pandemic MMA, so to speak. But well, Walt Harris did take part in virtual media day and he had a, a couple of really good things to say as, as Oscar said, man, the guy's been handling himself with class uh, all the way through. And uh, so here's a little bit from the big ticket. Uh, here we are fight week. Um, you know, everything that you've been through in the past couple of months, the pandemic that's going on now that you're here ahead of the biggest fight of your life. Can you put into words what the emotions are coming into this one? 
Um, excitement, man. Um, you know, I think it's been a long time coming. Um, it's, this is a fight I've been looking forward to for, I mean, honestly, since I was an amateur. Um, I've watched Overeem before I ever started fighting. So to get in there and, and be in the same conversation with it, with him is, is uh, something that I've always worked for and worked towards. So Saturday night, I'm going in there to, to put on a show for the world, man. We're the only sport, so it's going to be fun. I can't wait. And I know adversity is nothing new for you. You've had to, to kind of deal with a lot of issues throughout your whole career. But looking back on this camp, do you feel like the adversity that you, you were – uh, you know, you encounter, you were able to overcome, and, and you're feeling pretty confident about the product you're going to put out on Saturday? Oh, for sure. My confidence is at an all-time high. Um, you know, you, like you alluded to, I mean, the adversity that I've gone through in my life, fighting is just a fight, you know what I mean? Um, I face something that, you know, no father should ever have to face, so I feel like, you know, fighting is just something that I'm doing and something I'm good at and, um, and that I put my heart into, so I'm going to go in there and perform and do what I do best, man, and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Right now in the heavyweight division, it's kind of an interesting time. It seems like there's a, a lot of contenders at the top. There's a little bit of a log jam. Uh, with the win over Overeem, where do you think that puts you in the division? Do, do you feel like you're going to be in that conversation for, you know, either one or, 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 you know, one fight away from a title or kind yeah. of in that conversation? I see I see it being one fight away, um, you know, but um, I always prided myself on being a company man. So if the UFC wants me to step up and take an interim title, I would definitely do it. Um, I feel like mentally in this space where I'm at in my career, I'm so ready for whatever, um, you know, and I'm prepared to to fight whoever the division has to offer or whoever the UFC has to offer. Um, I feel like I'm a, mad, I'm a bad matchup for all of those guys, and I match up well with all of those guys. So, um, you know, I think it's my time to shine, and Saturday night I plan on proving that. My last question for you, uh, Alistair Overeem's a guy that's been around for a long time. We've seen him come out in fights and give a lot of different looks. Uh, what are you expecting to see out of him come Saturday, and, and what should fans expect to see out of you? Um, I think from him, I'm going to see a you know guy who's going to try to you know grind me, um, push me against the cage, you know, uh, grapple, drag the fight to the deep rounds, and you know try to try to hang on. Um, with me, you're going to see the same me, you know, explosive, athletic, um, but with a renewed vigor. Um, my focus has been laser sharp you know since uh the tragedy you know I'm, I'm fighting for a different purpose um so you know and and my daughter is, is with me every everywhere i go so when you got something like that pushing you man I, you know I, right now at this point in my career i feel like i can run through a brick wall so um he's gonna be facing a dangerous man on saturday night for sure hey well uh nolan touched there on, on sort of everything you got going into this fight how much are you feeding off the support you've had over the last few months not just from the mma community but from everyone in general Oh man, it's it's everything, bro. It gets me out of bed in the morning, to be honest. Um, you know, so many people have done so many things for myself and my family. It's just um, it's overwhelming at times. You know, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for you know everybody from everybody at the UFC to my neighbors, my community. My community has been amazing. Um, you know, and that's that's something that is like I said. You know, it, it makes for a dangerous fighter when you realize that. So many people love you and love you and are concerned about you and your family. It gives you more more to fight for. Um, it gives you more energy and training. It gives you more uh, focus, you know. And so that's where I'm at with it, man. I'm just excited. Can't wait. And we spoke to Eric Anders earlier. This is the first time you guys have fought on a card together, I think, since both of you, since he was an amateur. Um, what does it mean to be a part of this big card, be the main event, and also have Eric there right with you? Man, it's um, it's special, man. I remember the first day of camp, I told him, I said, bro, it's about to be an awesome camp, you know, because we're always kind of 
either I'm fighting before him or he's fighting after me. And so we kind of like hit and miss each other during camp. But we spent every every day together. And, um, you know, we've always been close. So it's really special to to be able to fight on a car with him and be the headliner. You know, it's something that I've always dreamed of being, uh, you know, in the UFC, being a headliner, being a main event. And to have my little brother on the car with me is 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 extra motivation because that dude works so hard, you know. So he pushes me and, um, you know, it, it's just, you know, I got to prove something to him too. So I want to make him proud as well. And both of you spent some time at Extreme Couture earlier this year. How much of a benefit was that heading into a big fight like this? Oh, man, it's dope. Uh, you know, Coach Eric Nixie is just, he's my boy. So when we go out there, it's all love. Um, it's, you know, it's just like being at home. It's just with a bunch more guys who got the same, you know, mindset and same motivation as you. So when we are in Vegas, um, we're working 110%, you know, uh, just like we're at home, man. It's just, it's, it's awesome. It's really good. It's highly unlikely this fight goes the distance. I think there's going to be a finish here. If you do, do get that knockout victory, and Nolan sort of touched on it there, uh, do you feel like that puts you in the title picture right now, or at least close to it, just because uh, that would be five fight unbeaten streak for you right now? Yeah, I definitely feel like, um, you know, a win over Overeem is going to thrust me in the conversation, for sure. I think people have been clamoring for it. Um, there's certain people that my name gets tossed around on social media and uh, different outlets with um so i think it's, it's i'm at that time now it's time to make those fights happen so a win over over him definitely puts me in the conversation uh, dana white talked about it yesterday about uh the emotion going into a fight like this the, the entire world is kind of behind you going into this fight for for obvious reasons but how do you balance that emotion because at the end of the day this is a fight I mean, you know you got to go out and fight one of the greatest heavyweights of all time like how do you how do you balance that in your head um, you know, I, I'm a pretty even kill guy. I've been competing my whole life. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, athletics, it's just something that I do. I have a switch. Um, I know, I know how to control those emotions based on the fact that, you know, it, like you said, it's a fight. And, um, I alluded to it earlier. I've been through so much in my life that, you know, I prepared for this. This is what I'm here to do. So, um, I'll be 110% focused. And I think the no crowd actually is a, is a benefit in this situation because, you know, there's no outside distractions. Um, especially this week, I've been kind of isolated. I've been with my team and we've just been focusing on making sure I'm primed and ready for Saturday night. You, you know, you mentioned it in terms of like, you know, the, 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 the entire world kind of feels behind you and you, you felt that over these past few months. What does that mean to you to kind of, I mean, you've always been a fan favorite guy anyways in your career, but just because, you know, obviously stylistically you have a very fan favorite style, but the support you've been showing going in this fight, what does that mean to you? It means everything, man. Um, you know, it's overwhelming um, to think that, you know, so many people are, are sharing their love, whether it be through social media text uh, or phone text or, you know, people popping and stopping by the house with gifts or, you know, food and things like that, man. It means so much to, to know that people are behind you and that they're proud of you and that they're, you know, supporting you. It gives you um, incentive that you're doing the right things and, and incentive to keep doing the right things and be a role model. You mentioned it earlier, Overeem, you know, we know him you know, as, a, as a very dominant striker in his own right, but we have seen him grind guys out. He was doing it very well to Jerzynia Rosen strike before he got caught in that fifth round. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you've got a ton of first-round finishes, but how confident are you going into those deeper rounds? This does go into round four and five. Oh, super confident. Um, my coach, Chris Conley, has put me through the ringer this camp. Um, you know, he's made sure I'm prepared in every facet of the game. Um, we've worked every angle, every aspect. Um, we've dissected every way that we feel like Overeem has any kind of advantages, and we've gone in and made sure I'm on point. And I'm sharp as I've ever been, man. Like, it, it's insane. Like, I get 
excited in, in, in the workouts because I'm just like, man, I, I can feel a different type of energy um, surrounding, you know, not only the fight, but just my, my overall being, man. I feel like I'm 24 again, you know what I mean? It's crazy. So, um, you know, I'm prepared to go wherever the fight goes, bro, wherever it goes. Right, that was Walt Harris, and uh, again, you, you can't talk about him without talking about the emotional thing of what he's gone through. But um, man, I know you and I were both kind of watching that that media day as, as it was unfolding, and you know when he said that uh, he reached the point where he kind of understood that it was okay to not to, to I don't want to say not think about a stepdaughter. That's not the right phrasing, but to do something other than just think about her. You know what I mean? Yeah. To be able to focus on himself a little bit, to go back to his pursuits in life, and, and, and that he prayed about it, and, and he finally came to the acceptance that it is okay to move on. You know, that doesn't mean that you're forgetting. It doesn't mean that you're not honoring their legacy, but that you're um, committed to moving forward, man. That's just that's just powerful stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's pretty inspirational, man, because there's a lot of people who lose someone and they never they never reach that point. You know, I was saying to you, like an example, you lose a partner and you never find another person and stuff like that because you feel like you're disrespecting their memory and I, I when he said uh, I felt like thinking about anything other than her was yeah. being like disrespectful it, it's a very uh, it shows the strength of a person to be able to move past that and realize that actually you, you do deserve a life and you can still think about and you it. have to yeah for and sure you have to so I man it's never more of a fight I mean it's just have I been interested in how a human being is going to react more so than the, than the athlete? I feel like we're talking more about Walt Harris, the human being, than Walt Harris, the athlete. Yeah, and I, my big fear is, you know, say, say he loses or something like that. It's it's well, the repercussions of that. Do you feel like you've let her down? Do you, do you go back down that dark spot that it, he talked about? It's, it's uh, to be to be honest. I mean, this is pure speculation. Walt has seemed incredibly strong throughout this entire thing, and I do. I mean. More than incredibly strong, like awe-inspiring strong. Like he's this didn't happen long ago, mm-hmm. and he's back in there, and he's pledging he wants to continue with his career and all that sort of stuff. So I, I have faith that if he did lose, he'd be okay, you know. Right. But look, I'm talking about something I don't even know the fathom, you know the depths of and stuff. You so. just want him to have a good moment. You want him to have something to cling yeah. on to, you know. On the expense of Alistair Overeem's chin. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad for him. All right, let's talk about Alistair Overeem. Uh, certainly. Uh, a seasoned pro, to say the least. Um, you know, lost last time out, but looked amazing. Well, I don't want to say looked amazing, but he was controlling the fight. He's doing his control- job. Yeah, yeah, he was doing what he was supposed to do. Uh, and then one second changed everything. Of course, he's in this kind of weird situation as well. Um, but, of course, he's he's seen it all. He's done it all. Other than fighting in front of no crowd, which is something new for him. He said that's yeah. kind of his motivation, is a, a new challenge, a, a new opportunity for him. So uh, here's what uh, Alistair Overham had to say as well. Good morning, Alistair. Um, I want to start with the big question. Obviously, um, it's a very weird thing because Walt Harris has so much fan support because of everything he's got going on. As his opponent, you're going out there to win, but can you just talk about personally separating the respect for him and then the competition? Well, I don't know. I just see Satisfied as a sport event. Uh, you know, outside of that, I, I uh, met him once. He's a cool guy. You know, we got along. Said it's just business. It's just a sport event. We're going to make a great fight for, for the fans worldwide. Uh, the fight was rescheduled from earlier in the year with everything that happened. Can you just talk about the adjustments that you had to make in order to peak 
for this week? Um, it actually went a little bit automatic. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a little break after the the postponement cancellation, and then I just got back on the horse. I actually think the break was good for me. Uh, your body can heal up a little bit, you know, mid-camp. So, yeah, no complaints there. Hey, Alistair, um, I know you spent part of your camp back home in the Netherlands, and then you spent part of it in Colorado. How was your camp structured as far as uh, heading into this fight? Well, I, was in, I was in Colorado, but um, basically, uh, you know, the world came to an end with the whole COVID thing. So I just flew back to be with my family, be with my mother. And, uh, yeah, it, I, you know, I... You see, continue to organize events. They they basically asked me, "Do you want to fight?" I said, "Yes." You know, life needs to go on, so I flew back uh, into the U.S. It was weird, you know. Airports were empty because this was really at the height of the, all the craziness. Um, so yeah, it was like more like a break, like mid mid camp break, and then afterwards I just resumed camp. I spoke to Curtis Blades the other day, and he said basically the gym is kind of business as usual. A lot of you, a lot of the members are in the gym getting to train together. How much of an advantage is that? Because for a lot of gyms, uh, they're not getting the same type of training partners. Well, it's not business as usual. Um, it was definitely smaller groups, but I don't know. It's a, it's a real team, solid solid guys, right? Everybody showed up. Everybody loved loves to train. Everybody loves helping each other out. So I, I did have uh, my usual teammates there. Over him. Um, so you were originally matched up with Walt back in December, weren't you? But obviously he had to pull out um, because of the situation with his stepdaughter uh, at the time. Um, mm. What did you initially think of the matchup, though, back then? And, and how happy are you that you are able to get this fight rebooked? No, Walt is good. I mean, uh, strong guy, athletic guy. Uh, you know, prefer striking. I like striking. So I think the matchup will be great for the fans. Yeah, it was very unfortunate what happened, right? The 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 daughter Anaya Blanchard situation, um, very terrible. Can only imagine being a dad myself. <clears throat> so um, yeah, it was to me not a huge shock that he withdrew from the fight, right? Of course, that's that's a natural thing. And now we're back on. So yeah, it's all good. I mean, uh, there's no rivalry. I like him as a person. And we're just going to make it a great fight, a great show this Saturday for the fans worldwide. And, you know, all of his wins have come via KO or TKO, and the last two have come in the first round. So how are you going to be approaching the fight on Saturday, and how do you see it going down? Well, he is definitely dangerous. He's explosive. So I have to be careful for that. I have to respect that. Uh, but to be honest, I'm not too worried. You know, I'm very well prepared. I, uh, yeah, I feel good. I'm loose. I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm flowing. And um, I'm working. I'm going to be working to finish this fight. Do you think perhaps maybe your your advantage, maybe your experience in the in the cage? What do you feel you might give you the upper hand on Saturday? Well, I have a lot of experience, right, that I bring to the table, but also uh, the submission uh, uh, victory skills. So yeah, I don't know. I have the striking pedigree. I'm not too worried. I'm actually fairly excited. You know, also the the fact that there's no audience to me that's a new impulse. It's a new experience. Uh, I live for that stuff. So I'm very excited. And and just last one for me, you know, you said you're looking forward to, to not having a crowd. What did you think about uh, some of the fighters being able to hear commentary uh, and that giving them the advantage in the fight? And also, what do you think about being able to hear your corner a lot more clearer? Um, well, it'll, it'll, be just, just, it'll be just like in a gym, right? Just like sparring. So it'll, it'll be a little bit different. 
Uh, but in the end, the fight is a fight, man. You're gonna you're gonna go out there. You're gonna put on a performance. Your opponent is trying to put on a, pro- a performance. So um, a fight is a fight, just a little bit different. And 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 for that new experience, I'm actually very very excited. All right, the consummate professional there, Alistair Overeem. Certainly in a difficult spot here, but uh, a big moment for him. And uh, honestly, Alistair's still one of the biggest stars in the sport, man. The guy just his name, his name means something, man. It carries weight with people. This guy has been around and, and done that. So uh, great to to have him in there, and even if it's in a difficult situation. I think this card is looking good. And by the way, if you're if you're if you're looking for another reason to just tune in, if live sport being back, MMA being back wasn't enough. How about the fact that you can put a little play on that? Maybe a little, maybe make a little money. Our friends over at DraftKings. Man, they're trying to get you to sign up over there. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They're giving away $1 million in contests. They've got all kinds of action-packed stuff to do. So what you want to do over there, if you haven't done DraftKings before, it's it's, it's the leader in one-day fantasy sports. You would jump in there. It's kind of fun with MMA. Um, it's it's different than just trying to pick wins and losses. You got you get points. Uh, you got to pick your fighters. You got to stay under a salary cap, and then you pile up points for advances, takedowns, all that good stuff. So uh, if you're really really knowledgeable, if you think that uh, you, you know what's up in MMA, it's it's more than just picking winners. And by doing so and picking right, man, you can get your share of up to one million dollars. Uh, so <laughs> You know, I didn't try to do it. I, I didn't go all the way on it. I can't quite do the one million dollar thing. It doesn't count things. if you don't do the finger. Yeah, you got to do the finger. Can you do it? Can you just get one million dollars? No, oh. I can't. The answer is no. no <laughs> wow, that was terrible. I thought <laughs> yours would be better. I thought you'd have the accent already. No, no, not at all. That was terrible. All right. Well, listen. If you want one million dollars, you go over to DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app. You don't even have to go to the website anymore. They used to try to send you the website. Now you can just download the app, put it right on your phone, and uh, use the promo code. Frosty to get a free shot and a share of $1 million with your first deposit. That's promo code Frosty. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Uh, thank you, DraftKings. Thank you, Live Sport, for being back. Thank you, everything. We uh, Part of our life, a little bit of normalcy. The new normal. Oh, God. DraftKings.com. Do <laughs> <laughs> you know my dad listens to this podcast whenever I'm on? And he said he the funniest, after all the jokes I tell, he right. said, none of them made him laugh, but Frosty. <laughs> that the was one the that, one he liked. He got it. That's it. <laughs> so there you go. I appreciate that. All right, let's kind of real quick. You know, I didn't want this to be a big car breakdown just because, um, man, it, it's just been so much going on. I felt like it was more to talk about. I think, you know, once we get to May 30th, now we're back to uh, normal uh, kind of just everyday stuff. Um but this first week, I think, has been so much about the event itself and how things are different and all that good stuff. Uh, I think May 30th, May 30th, well, it'll still be a little different because we'll be back at the Apex, hopefully, fingers crossed. Yes. Hopefully at the Apex. And then, of course, uh, the first time there's a Fight Island event, that will be a little bit of a story. But, uh, you know, I, now we're getting back to fights and divisional rankings and all that good stuff. But uh, we do it. Look, I think this card is going to be entertaining. Claudia Gadelia versus Angela Hill in the co main event. Edson Barbosa versus Dan Ige. Um, I think. I think both of us were a little surprised that Barbosa versus Ige wasn't the co-main event. No, yeah, th- yeah. no disrespect to Gadelia and Hill, um, but just kind of setting the table. I think Barbosa and Ige, that's going to be explosive, man. I am a little worried. I know by the time most people listen to this, they'll probably have already heard uh, or seen the weigh-ins. I am a little worried about Edson Barbosa at 145 and how he peels an extra 10, 10 pounds uh, off that body. 
Ige was kind of joking about it. He was like, look, I, I don't really care what he looks like. He's like, Aldo looked like crap when he weighed in at 135, and he still fought well. And that is true because I remember that media day went back when we could actually see people in person thinking – Oh my God, he looks terrible, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and was that the time I up. asked him about the anniversary of his 13-second loss? <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Thank he was you. really excited about that. Yeah, he was great. Uh, so that's a big one. Uh, Eric Anders versus Christoph Jocko. Eric Anders, of course, and Walt Harris have a, 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 a very, very strong bond and relationship there. So they're excited about this opportunity. Marlon Cheeto Vera, Song Yadong. That's a phenomenal fight on paper as well. Um, and even then, when you when you when you go down to the prelims, Miguel Baeza undefeated against Matt Brown. You know Matt Brown's going to be in a, in a great fight anytime. Uh, I think a lot of people are looking forward to seeing Kevin Holland fight. Yes, sir. With no crowd, it just hear what the hell Big Mouth has to say. He's just, it's going to be like a stand-up special. Uh, it's going to be great. So that should be great uh, against Anthony Hernandez. Giga Chikadze versus Mike Davis could actually be. Uh, a fight that I don't think a lot of people are keyed in on that could be really, really, really good. Yeah, I've heard a lot. Of, like, apparently, Mike Davis is like one of the last guys to chain, uh, train out of Catskill where Tyson trained, and you can see it in his hands and stuff. And I think he's had a couple of rough results, but he's, you know. I'm a, I, dude, I'll be honest, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of Mike Davis. I think yeah, he's got too. skills, man. I think he's got the raw talent there. And then Giga Chikatse, uh, you know, kickboxing pedigree, phenomenal as well. So, you're, I, dude, I'm telling you, low key, if you're looking for a low key banger that maybe people don't know about, that's going to be the one. Darren Elkins, man, you know anytime he's in there, he's great against Nate Landwehr, who's an entertainer as well. Didn't necessarily have a great go last time out. Um, but listen, up and up and down, I'm telling you, it's gonna be a good a good card. Any 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 stories, any people, any fights. I mean, you did just mention the Mike Davis stuff there. I didn't mean to, to steal your thunder there, no, but no. but anything that you're kind of really going, you know, I'm, I'm I'm keyed in on this one. Well, there's a couple. Okay, so we 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 did mention it. I think. Um, Kevin Holland in this environment could be the first time we see because when this environment first started and you realise how audible people were uh, my immediate uh, thought went to because I, <laughs> I don't know why but my immediate thought went to Connor versus Nate I was oh. like can you imagine like my or, or Diaz versus Anderson you yeah. know can you imagine like hearing that audibly that would be so fantastic and then I saw Kevin right, even though I was just saying earlier about how like Connor with no crowd would kind of suck that part of it would yeah, be pretty because awesome because they just and in fact I actually believe Connor with no crowd, you know, the guy's not unaware of his surroundings. I believe he'd be even more, like, into it. You know, he'd, he'd know he's putting on a show. And so someone like Kevin Holland, who talks just apparently non-stop in there, I, I'm very, very excited could be fine. to see that fight. Um, second story that, I mean, Edson Barbosa at Featherweight, um, I feel like it's more like a, a less high-profile version of Aldo. Mm-hmm. I agree. And had Aldo not done this before, I would be going, this is an obscene, rah, rah, rah. But Aldo did do it, and Aldo looks good with it, so. Not at the weigh-ins. <laughs> didn't look good at the weigh-ins. No, but it did look good. He fought well. Yeah, yeah. he did, he didn't look awesome at the weigh-ins, but he fought great. And, yeah. and, and so, um, listen, they know their body better than we do and, and stuff like that. And, and you can see guys who look awful when they're actually not awful. You know, people wear it differently. So, that's, for me, I think Claudia versus Angela is an interesting one because Claudia Gadea, I think, if you think of her now, what do you think? You think of like, oh, a, a sort of you know, top 10, mm-hmm. you know, fighter. She's tough and she's a good, strong grinder. But lest we forget, like four or five years ago, she was, she was, 
possibly beat Joanna. Absolutely. You know, she was possibly yep. the best. They did tough together. She, she was. She's in the process of this reinvention, right? Yeah. You know, she's out there in Jersey now, and and uh, you know, still comes back to Vegas, but uh, does her camps out there. And, yeah. and and you're right, man. It's she's kind of she's kind of gone through a little bit of rough patch, and she's had to kind of reinvent herself a little bit. So for me, it's a little bit like we were talking about Cerrone Pettis not long ago. It's a bit of a crossroads fight. Like so, for me, I look at this fight and I think, well. If Angela Hill beats Claudia, because stylistically you'd say favors Claudia. I agree. If Angela beats Claudia, it shows that actually she's not just a, a run-of-the-mill fighter. She's a talent that we need to observe, and she's she's crossed the hill and she's right. ready. And if Claudia wins, it shows that actually she's preparing properly again. She's got the motivation again. She can. So I, I find that co-main event interesting crossroads. It's a big, it's a big one. I, I love these. You know, we mentioned a, a couple of the other ones last week. I mean, I do love those fights where, man, somebody's going to move forward and somebody's going to take a step down. I know that's every fight, but people that are at key moments in their career, like you said, Angela Hill has almost become this, you know, I mean, she's very, very popular and she's, understand, you know, people make the comparisons to the Cowboy Cerrone and how yes. she's willing to fight all the time. And, and I love that comparison. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's so true. Um, but you're right. I mean, she's had her ups and downs as well. And, and, and Man, her popularity because her personality is amazing. Obviously, yeah. she's got a great look and she she knows how to entertain. Like it's it's she's funny. She's Costumes and ways, all that stuff. She's charismatic. Um, but you gotta get you gotta get the results, right? So I mean, I I do think you're right. I think this is a a key moment. I guess you know I I, I don't want to disrespect them by saying that uh you know th- that they're in the co-main event slot. I I just stylistically I, I feel like. It could be a Claudia Gadella grappling fest, what, and there's if, nothing wrong with that. But I think you know, kind of leading into that main event, I think Barbosa Ige is going to be a banger. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I think Barbosa Ige is going to be fireworks. Mm-hmm. Okay, listen, we'll all, we'll we'll put our asterisks up and say, providing he makes weight and all that it sort of stuff. True. But I think, to be honest, man, I, I, you wonder if the days of Claudia Gadella grinding out like just being a dominant are, are they behind her now? You know, like. Um, I think this is that's what when it's cross Angela could take a loss here, mm-hmm. but Claudia, I feel like if she loses to Angela Hill, she's she's it's not a good look for her. You know? So true, man. Because again, she was she was considered you know her be- and, for a moment best her in the world for her for a moment. Her and Joanna were like the equivalent of DC Stipe right now. You right. know, they were the the back and forth rivalry, and it, she's I don't know what it is. If it was lack of motivation, if she maybe moved to the wrong town and got into the wrong scene, you, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's it's an interesting fight. It's got stakes. It really does. It really does. I'm uh, I'm intrigued. I think top to bottom it's going to be entertaining. It is on ESPN and ESPN Plus. And of course, if you want to uh, get a little post fight recap, head on over to Patreon.com/slash The MMA Roadshow because we will have and a half <laughs> before we fly home. I am I am uh, I'm anxious for these fights. But I am, I will say, I'm getting really, really tired of this hotel room. I'm anxious to get I was about to say, that and a half is going to be much shorter than the yes, other yes, two because yes, we've got to get sleep. To express. Got to get a little sleep. Uh, anyway, speaking of steaks, I think it's about dinner time. So I'll just wrap this up <laughs> because I'm going to go get some food. I am hungry and uh, weigh-ins are in the morning. Of course, we'll have all that full coverage. Fight Saturday night. In the meantime, we'll just tell everybody, thanks for listening. 